Today's show is brought to you by Aptiv. Aptiv is a fabulous app and robust online community that allows you access to top-notch, motivating personal trainers who guide you through an audio-based workout that is timed to your choosing with fun, perfectly synchronized music. Like Netflix for fitness, Aptiv gives members unlimited access to their entire bank of high-end trainer-led workout classes. So if you're looking for fresh, high-quality, on-the-go motivating workouts that adapt to your lifestyle, I highly recommend Aptiv. In fact, if you head over to the curator playlists, you'll see a familiar face. I chose seven of my favorite Aptiv workouts so that you can get a well-rounded mix of workouts that will take you from intense cardio to restorative serenity. And these are some of my favorite workouts to do when I'm traveling or if I just have a spare 20 minutes between activities. And because they're the best, Aptiv is even offering Fed and Fit listeners a free 30-day trial when you sign up for monthly subscriptions at www.aaptiv.com. Be sure to enter the promo code FEDANDFIT, one word, at checkout in your first 30 days or on the house. Welcome back to another episode of the Fed and Fit Podcast. Today, I am very excited to welcome a very special guest. Her name is Kimberly, and she's actually a member of the Fed and Fit Project Online. Kimberly lives in East Texas, specifically Athens, Texas. She is a hobby beekeeper and loves to garden on her, you know, just a few 230 acres that she and her husband have there. Loves to spend her time outside when she's not traveling for work. I'm so excited to have her on the call today. She's a wonderful person. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh I mean, my I'm goodness. looking forward to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Likewise. Well, I would love it if, I guess I should briefly uh, talk about for new listeners what a reverse interview is. So Kimberly wrote in with a really wonderful question via email. And um, though I really love to answer those most questions via email, hers was so great that I thought it would be perfect to for her and I to have a conversation on Skype, record it, and then possibly publish it to the podcast in case other listeners out there can identify with where Kim's at um, and then could possibly benefit from the conversation. So these reverse interviews is where I invite Fed and Fit podcast listeners and readers to come on the show and give them, oh, there's Gus, give them uh, essentially the, the mic and the baton to run the show and ask whatever questions she's got of me. So that's, that's kind of the background. But thanks so much for coming on, Kim. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit more? Tell us a little bit more about yourself and what some of your questions are. Well, you summed it up pretty well. Thanks again for having me, first of all. Um, but I do live on 230 acres in the middle of nowhere um, and I do travel during the week and at home on the weekends, it's just, um, enjoying the outdoors with my husband and, um, working to just keep everything running at our home. And so, um, that's, that's just a little extra about me, but I had sent in some questions specifically regarding weight loss. Um, my first question to you was weight loss on the project. I think you did a podcast a while back. Um, on that, but that that wasn't the primary goal of the project. And please <laughs> correct me where I'm wrong. No, you're um, great. And so I I just kind of wanted to know off the project what your thoughts are about that and how to just get some information from you about weight loss. I do struggle 
with that. Um, I do li- I do try to eat primarily a paleo-ish mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. lifestyle. Um, I do fall off of that from time to time. But um, so that was my first question for you. Yeah. So just really how to pursue weight loss in a healthy manner, whether you're on or off the project. Yes. <clears throat> Got it. Okay. So feel free to fine tune and ask more questions as I start <laughs> to ramble on the okay. topic. <laughs> So this is a really wonderful question, and I know that a lot of people are going to be curious and their ears are perking up. So when it comes to weight loss, there's a couple important things to consider, and I probably did talk specifically to what I'm about to say on a previous show, but it's definitely worth mentioning again. When we we look at just bird's eye level view, and Kim, I know that you know this. I'm just repeating this for folks um, who maybe this is the first time they've heard it. But when we look at the body as a whole, right, There's a whole lot that goes into what shows up on the number on the scale. We've got bones, we've got skin, we've got organs, we have um, just our entire water weight, the the vascular system in general, and then we have muscle, and then we have body fat. And so when it's possible to lose weight, right, and have the number on the scale go down while losing not body fat, You know, so there's, if, let's say if you've ever had, if you ever had broke your leg or your arm and you had to wear a cast for a long period of time, I was one of those, (laughs) grew up, oh my goodness, and it was one of those things where, uh, for whatever reason, the universe had it to where I would go visit the emergency room growing up, it was the same week every single year. And I was just one of those accident-prone children. And my mom always joked that when that week rolled around, she's going to wrap me in bubble wrap and make me sit in a chair. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Anyways, but if you've ever worn a cast for an extended period of time, you know that you have that muscular atrophy where uh, the muscles on your leg or your arms start to kind of go away when the cast comes off. And you look at your, your legs side by side, one that was not in the cast and one that was in the cast, or your arm versus arm, and you can see that the, the, the limb that had the cast around it is significantly smaller, and that's because we lost some muscle mass while we were, um, while, while we were being treated. And so that's kind of an example of you're losing weight in, in the sense that I was losing muscle mass. So I just kind of want to give some perspective um, okay. for folks who've never thought about it that way. So there's a lot that goes into the number on the scale. Now, when folks talk about losing weight, we're usually talking about losing body fat right? If we've got excess body fat that we're carrying around and we want to lose that. So that is when it gets a little tricky because we could just plain old starve ourselves and lose weight. And it's going to be indiscriminatory. We're going to lose body fat and we're going to lose muscle mass. Okay. So how do we lose just body fat? And that's where things get very interesting. And it's really, really where we need to start looking at kind of that concept of bio-individuality, because what it's going to take for you maybe to lose body fat is going to be a little bit different than um, maybe your cousin or even just a coworker, because your constitution, how you were made, could require that you need more, there he goes, more carbs and less fat, or vice versa, more fat and less carbs. So I think, my husband's coming to come help <laughs> oh gosh, I told Kim before we started recording that this show is live action. <laughs> so you never know when Gus is napping. Most of the time he naps right now. Um, 
but I like, don't like to edit it out because I think it's more fun for listeners to hear the hot mess that is real life. Okay, so, um, so it depends on your constitution, right? So there's some people who do really well on a low-carbohydrate diet. Right? You see those folks that have kind of miracle turnaround. They lose body fat when they pursue low-carb or what could be considered a ketogenic diet, right? where they put their body into ketosis because they've restricted carbohydrate intake essentially to an extreme, and they're, relying, they're, they're then consuming only fat and protein, and it tells their body to start burning body fat to produce the glucose, the blood glucose that we need to survive. Okay, so that's one school of thought. Another school of thought is that if you're extremely carb tolerant, meaning that you do well with more carbohydrates, then there's a good chance you do also do well with less fat, dietary fat intake. Okay, so those folks, and I tend to fall into this category, I'm more carb tolerant, and so a ketogenic diet does not work for me. If I want to lose body fat, I, I, can, I don't need to consume excessive amounts of dietary fat. I need to eat more carbs, more start, or leafy vegetables, starchy vegetables, and then kind of keep an eye on my fat intake. I can't, I'm not the kind of person that can sit down and metabolize an entire avocado, right, where yeah. some folks can. So, again, that's another caveat is bioindividuality. It's all going to be different. But essentially what happens if we, if we dumb that away, and you're just kind of looking, how do you determine which one of those you are, whether you're carb tolerant or more fat tolerant? Um, really, that's kind of trial and error. And that's really where the project comes into play, right? Those first 28 days or three months, depending on which path you chose. For new listeners, the 28-day path A program is the rip the band-aid off. We're going to get to where we're feeling really good. We're going to follow a very strict paleo protocol, a kind of a limited one so that we don't have the slippery slope of really sugary fruits you know, to fall onto and things like that. So in 28 days, you feel great. Or we spend three months working up to that feel-good reset state. And then at that point is where the real work begins. That's really where we start testing ourselves and seeing, <clears throat> now that we're feeling great, how do we then optimize and figure out what foods actually work best for our body? And that counts for fats, that counts for carbohydrates, and that counts for just general foods. You know, some people in this have learned that they don't do well with, a, with two cups of coffee, those kinds of um, experiments. So Gus is knocking to come in the store. This dog has two doors to the backyard, and one of them is open. <laughs> But he needs your attention. He needs my attention. Um, we're just going to leave them all open for him. Hi, buddy. Ooh, he's demanding today. Okay, so that that's kind of that's kind of the overview of how to choose which one is right for you. Now, from there, once we figure out nutritionally, yes, maybe you already have an inclination, Kim. Yep, I am a. I do better with a little more carb and a little less fat whatever your gut is telling you at this point, because you've probably self-reflected enough to have kind of an idea, and a lot of listeners have as well. So from here, what we do is we honor that. And we try to, we try to pursue that not to an extreme. I'm not saying cut out, if you know that you're carb tolerant, I'm not saying cut out all fats. I'm saying one to two tablespoons three times a day is a really good amount. So that would be maybe a quarter of an avocado with lunch, and maybe a, a small handful of almonds with breakfast, whatever it is, just kind of be aware of what fats are on your plate and keep it to one to two tablespoons. Enjoy a serving of starch. 
And in addition to that, we need to supplement. When we're looking to burn body fat, we have to supplement with a significant amount of water. So make sure that our water intake is really high. Make sure that our sleep is, is, um, is really good. So you're hitting your daily sleep number, if at all possible, and that the quality is up there. So make sure that sleep and water intake are priorities. And then, of course, fitness. But I'm going to put that in at the end because truly when it comes to it, sleep and water are going to have a larger impact on how you're able to burn body fat than even nutrition and physical exercise. Because if we're sleep deprived and we're dehydrated, our body's kind of going to go into lockdown mode, you know, and we're going to conserve nutrients as much as possible. So make sure that we're getting enough water. And I've said this probably two dozen times, but it's always worth repeating. If you don't know how much water to consume, take your body weight in pounds, divide it by two, and that's a good number of ounces of water to consume in a day for a starting point. Now, if you're like Kim and you're outside all day in East Texas, especially during the summer, and you're gardening and you're working on the land and you're taking care of the bees, you probably need more water those times a day. So just listen to your body, but make sure you get that minimum. And that's the really that's priority one. Priority two is to make sure you're getting enough sleep at night. And I'm talking seven to eight hours. I'm sure there are people listening here that think they're doing everything right. They're following a food plan the way that they know they should be following it. They're drinking enough water. They're working out, but they're only sleeping four to five hours a night. And that's, that's the missing link. And if we want to see progress, and they're, and they're wondering why they're not seeing progress, that, that's where we need to devote our attention. Um, there are folks that I've worked with one-on-one who were just that scenario, felt like they were doing everything right, and that because of work deadlines or family circumstances or whatever it is, real life pops up because it always will. They, they were not making sleep as high of a priority. And sometimes that's just the way it is. And sometimes that's just life. Um, but as soon as they were able to get more sleep and continued with the path that they were on, the body fat started to come off again. Okay, so remember to keep those as top priorities. And then when it comes to food, do our best to, I think that it's always important to eat three meals a day. I'm of the school of thought that our stomachs really need a break between meals, so try to not snacking. This is no new news for Kim um, because she's been in this conversation for a while, but try to not snack in between meals so that our metabolism can really really take a break and take a breather, and it teaches our body then to tap in the body fat between meals. It also teaches it that we're going to feed it on a regular basis, so make sure that you're eating meals at the same time every day if possible. And then, and if that means meal prepping breakfast so it's ready to go or packing your lunch so that, and setting an alarm to know when you're going to eat lunch during the day um, and then honoring a bedtime or a, a dinner that's a couple hours before bedtime is a really good way to go. And then lastly would be fitness. And I'm sorry if this is a too, more broad of an answer than you were hoping for, Kim. Um, oh, no, this is great. Okay, this good. Is- and then last, so lastly is fitness. And it's important to look at fitness from a very holistic perspective. I'm not of, and again, this is no new news to Kim, but this is, I'm not of the mindset where you go out into, you you just go run it off, right? I'm not the kind of person that's going to say, well, you just need to go run five miles a day. There's some folks that that really works for them. And if that works for them, that's great. But I'm of the perspective that it takes a little bit more to have a really healthy, happy body. Because if we're in it for weight loss for the long run, we need to look at our physical fitness activities as also being in it for the long run. Okay. Now I ran marathons before there was one year where I did six half marathons and one full marathon. I was a running 
maniac and <laughs> and my body paid the toll. I was in my early 20s and I still damaged my joints. And that's just me. My constitution doesn't do well with that amount of impact and cardio on a regular basis. So know yourself, know thyself. There are folks out there who are born runners and that works for them. But I just, I talk about running a lot because I think a lot of people think that they have to run to lose weight and that's not the case. It could also be that a little weightlifting activities in there and you've got 230 acres. So you probably would call it farm fit. Like yeah. my, friend, my friend Liz Wolf talks about when she's moving big old heavy, whatever it is, bales of hay or feed bags. That's definitely a workout. That's a weight bearing activity. You know, yeah. and that, that counts. So mixing in a little cardio with a little strength activity, weight-bearing activities, especially for us ladies, it is more important than I could even possibly stress on this short little podcast how important it is for women. We're not going to bulk up. It's actually going to teach our bones um, and our joints and our muscles to be more resilient, to have strength, and we're going to be able to endure more. And then in addition to cardio and strength, let's also mix in some mobility exercises. I have some mobility ideas in the Fed and Fit book where it's just general stretching, but you could also just drop into a yoga class. And the three of those things combined, now there's more to it. I talk about the Savvy 7. So there's seven components, rest is being one of them, fun being one of them. Um, but those three are the ones that I think most folks can very easily wrap our minds around when you combine strength, endurance, so cardio, and some sort of a mobility, stretching activity, your body is going to become strong. It's going to be able to endure more um, exercises, keep our heart rates up at a nice medium pace for a long period of time. And it's going to be limber. And when you combine all of those things, you become so much more unstoppable. And essentially what we're doing is we're making our bodies more efficient, not only at exercise, but at burning body fat. And when we do that consistently, with eating meals that work for our body at consistent times of the day, of consistent portions, of consistent food quality, combined with consistent sleep schedules, combined with consistent water intake, it's going to happen. And it's just a matter of time. And if you find that you're doing all of those things and the body fat is still not moving, right, then we look back at nutrition and we look to tweak that. Okay, but nine times out of ten, if we tackle all of those at the same time, our bodies are going to respond and we're going to start to lose excess body fat. I know that when my, when my body composition starts to change, it's usually because of sleep, water, or, or fitness. It's not always because of nutrition because I have no problem eating. <laughs> I have no problem eating well. Um, so, you know, kind of look at that. So if you are doing everything right and then we would go back to look at the food on the plate, that's where we can start tweaking some of the macros from a high level perspective, maybe either going low carb, higher protein, high fat, or, or vice versa, you know, so kind of playing with those things. I think this is a great spot to stop and hear from one of our sponsors. One of the keys to success on a healthy lifestyle is meal prep. We all know this. We know it's important to plan our meals, to put some thought into it, and to hit the ground running each week with healthy foods already in our refrigerator. However, the time it takes that can go into planning for meal prep is really daunting. I've personally spent countless hours choosing meals for the week ahead, making grocery shopping lists that are consolidated lists from all the recipes, and then I have to reorganize them according to the grocery store, how you walk through the store itself, and then sitting down and strategizing across all the different recipes what to make and when. 
And then I stumbled across Prep Dish, and they really gave me that time back. They do all the planning work for you. Each week, you're emailed a gluten-free, paleo, or my personal favorite, super fast plan. It is easily organized into ready-to-go shopping lists, already organized by how you're going to come across those foods into the store, a prep guide for your actual meal prep day, which only takes one single hour on the super fast plan, and cooking instructions. It's truly made meal prep a breeze, meal planning a breeze for me and my family. My fridge is now full of healthy foods each and every week. You can check out Prep Dish by heading to prepdish.com forward slash fed and fit for this amazing deal. And as an added bonus, they're providing two free weeks to fed and fit listeners. So go to prepdish.com forward slash fed and fit, then use the code in all caps fed and fit for those first two weeks on the house. Was that helpful? Yes, very much. Thank you. Oh, good. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I will say that as I age, um, it's harder and harder. <clears throat> Excuse me. So 10 years ago, or even five years ago, um, it was easy for me to get rid of five pounds. But mm-hmm. today, it's just, it's like it is hanging on for dear life, and it does not want to go away. So it's like it's found its home and it wants to stay there. So that is so frustrating. <clears throat> it is frustrating. And you know what, Kim? In the Let's say of the five, two of them may never come off because yeah. that's just our bodies as we age. And we need, we need body fat reserves for different reasons, right? As we age, our bodies, um, because we're not quite as young anymore, our bodies tend to think that we probably should hold on to some extra reserves. Some of that is just natural. It's just biology and just the way we were made. Um, but definitely it's going to take, that doesn't mean that it will never come off. Um, but it definitely takes more patience and more time the older that we get. And, and also as we age, the quicker we, our bodies do reflect and our body compositions do change if we kind of go off of it. So the good news is that our bodies are definitely resilient. We want to heal. So I would, I would keep up with everything that you're doing and and journal food wise what you're eating and what you thinking is what you think is working for your body, um, and then just try to try to keep chasing those things that you feel are working. Okay, great. Thank you. That is very helpful. So um, I appreciate that. Of course. <clears throat> yeah. Did it perk up any other questions? Well, it. Um, the next question I had was from a different podcast. Yeah. Um, I listened to, I think it was podcast 90 with Kristen, and I don't know how to Beamer. pronounce Beamer. Mm-hmm. She's a colon cancer survivor, um, I believe. And I am actually a colon cancer survivor um, of 10 years. And then during my diagnosis time and um, all of that, they also discovered that I have a genetic um condition called Lynch syndrome. And so during my process of chemotherapy and all of those things, I had surgery and had to have my entire large intestine removed. So I don't have any large intestine any longer. Mm -hmm. Um, And they did a hysterectomy on me at the same time. And so I, I mean, I thought about nutrition, but as I Um, listen to your podcast and others and learn more. I don't know that I fully understand the absorption of nutrition um, and how our body, I think I know a little bit, but um, so I just kind of wanted to see if you could speak to that maybe 
um, not necessarily specifically to my condition with not having a large intestine or how that plays into it, or maybe just a broad um, overview of exactly how our body works um, in absorption and nutrition and those things. That is such a great question. Um, so I do remember, and in that question in particular, in addition to your weight loss question, is one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on here. So the majority of our nutrients are absorbed through the small intestine. So that's some good news. Um, the, the large intestine will absorb a large amount of our water. Um, and actually in the Fed and Fit book, I break down, I don't know, Kim, do you have a copy of the book? I almost want to just send it to you if you don't. Sadly, I don't yet. It's on my Mother's Day list. Oh, you sweet thing. Well, <laughs> I want to send you a copy. Um, so in the book, I actually talk about the three phases of digestion. And I kind of break it down. I like to joke that it's kind of a Miss Frizzle. Did you ever watch the Magic School Bus or see that ever growing up or maybe for young ones? No, I didn't. Oh my gosh. It was just this silly cartoon. And I remember in science class, for whatever reason, in grade school, they would put it on on certain days. And it was Miss Frizzle. And she was this uh, cartoon science teacher. And she had her class. And what she would do on certain days is she would load them up for a field trip. And they'd go on this magic school bus. And then what the magic school bus would do is it would shrink down. And then they she would be able to give them a field trip of the mouth or the digestion process. And so I joked oh. in the book, <laughs> I took a Miss Frizzle kind of tour through the body. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. So um, let's see. So the large intestine is housed to a good amount of bacteria that really helps us metabolize certain fatty acids, certain vitamins, vitamin K and some of the B vitamins that are then absorbed into the blood. So some of those things, I would assume, did they put you on supplements for those? They did not. You know, <laughs> I just started taking those supplements like a month ago. That's great, Kim. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I would definitely keep up with those. And off the top of my head, I'd have to do a little more research, but off the top of my hat, head, I would, I would look into bioavailable forms of biotin, vitamin K. I mean, some of those nutrients are going to be available in chicken liver, for example. Gosh, everything's in chicken liver, and it is just one of the most difficult ingredients to work with. Uh -oh. are, are you a chicken liver fan? No, I've never tried it. Oh, goodness. That would be a good one to write on there. I actually just finished it. Maybe by the time this podcast airs, the recipe will be live on the blog, but I just finished some chicken liver meatballs. Oh, fine. And it's mixed with ground beef, but it is, they're delicious. They're really, really good. I will try those. Okay, and I'm not a chicken liver fan, but that would be a good form. Spinach has a good amount of um, some of these vitamins as well that could be bioavailable. So, yeah, some of those fatty acids, B vitamins are going to be absorbed in the large intestine. I think that it is important I would say that it's especially important to look at water, making sure you're getting enough water. I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink so much at one period of time, but make sure you're consistently drinking a large amount throughout the day mm -hmm. um, to make sure that your hydration is up. Keep up with those supplements. I can't. I, I'm not going to talk specifically about how many supplements because I haven't seen your your blood work, and I also don't like to give that kind of advice on the podcast because it's so individual. Um, for everybody listening, but I would definitely keep working. If you don't have a naturopath that you're working with already, I would find one and talk to them about how to tweak those supplements and taking those. Um, and then 
Yeah. And then I would look at getting some of those nutrients from food as often as you can. And I mean, probably once a week or every other week, try to have some sort of chicken liver in your diet and some sort of fresh spinach or other kind of leafy green, probably more often. That's an easier one. Um, but yeah, is that, is that helpful? Yeah, that is. It's, it's very helpful. And I did not realize about the large intestine and how that absorbs those supplements, those vitamins. Um, so that's new to me. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it's not necessary. It, it's more so that the large intestine holds is, ho is home to the bacteria that helps mm -hmm. us make those vitamins bioavailable. Okay. So it's not to say that you couldn't absorb them because you don't have a large intestine. It's just saying that we need to make sure you're getting, you're consuming forms that are already bioavailable. So that brings up another question about a probiotic. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Do I need to have an extra, more probiotic? That is a really good question. I don't have an answer for you, Kim. Okay. Um, I haven't, I haven't ever looked into... I haven't ever looked into it, but let me let me follow up with you via email and whatever you and I come up with, I will add to the show notes for this blog for this podcast episode, so folks can read it if they're curious. Um, that's an I, I'm going to reach out to a naturopath that I know and okay. see what they say. Okay, cool. Um, those were my two those were my two biggest questions, the things that I was most curious about, and um, just that's what I wanted to talk to you about. This is great. This is really, those are great questions. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I hope you found it helpful. I'm sure other folks listening um, benefited from the, from your questions as well. I did. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Of course, Kim. Well, don't be a stranger. Stay in touch and uh, shoot me another email. <laughs> I guess you and I could talk about this after the show, but shoot me an email to remind me uh, to look up that information about the probiotic for the small intestine. Okay, I'll do it. Wonderful. Well, thanks again. Thank you so much. And thanks, everybody listening. Remember that you can find the show notes with a recap of what we've talked about today, including in a complete transcript on the blog at fedandfit.com. If you like the show, I encourage you to head over to iTunes, leave a review. Those mean a lot, and they, they actually help the show get into more in front of more folks and into more hands. So if you like it and you find it helpful, head on over there, leave it a review. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back again next week.